welcome to Love in the Air, the podcast that serves up all things tennis. Whether you're a fan of the sport, a seasoned player, or a beginner just starting out, this podcast is just for you. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the game, from techniques and strategy to the latest news and trends. With expert guests, exciting interviews, and lively discussions, we'll keep you on the edge of your seat and help you take the tennis game to the next level. So grab your racket, tune in, and get ready for some ace content. This is Love in the Air, a tennis podcast. Each shot, when it comes to tennis, has an appropriate arc that varies depending on the ball speed, the depth, and the spin. So let's talk about the art of the arc. One of the attributes of an expert tennis player is the ability to visualize and properly execute the arc of various shots in all their subtle nuances. Even a beginner instruction stresses at low to high swings path that will result in safe net clearance depth and will eventually lead the player to impart topspin. However, players new to the game are usually impressed with the ball hit low and hard. It is all sometimes difficult to convince them that at a higher arcing shot that lands deeper in the court is often more effective. And as a player advance the abilities, they are able to hit harder and lower across the net with increasing success. The intoxicating effect of this developing power tends to breed more risk-taking. Eventually, this syndrome reaches a point of diminishing returns as more frequently errors occur. Also, the player may have difficulty in obtaining depth at the sameness of his shots, making them easy to return. Certainly, many players hit a wall of sorts at this stage and never reach their full potential. This is why this podcast is so essential. So let me explain the arc factors. I stress to my students that each shot has an appropriate arc that varies depending on the ball's speed, depth, and spin. These elements are blended, not simply to make a shot land safely in the court, but also to achieve the desired outcome for the shot within the framework of one's tactics and strategy. For instance, during a routine baseline rally, the primary objective of the player's shots would be usually depth. But even between any two rally ground strokes, they can be variables. A flat drive hit relatively hard might reach sufficient depth, passing over the net at a height about 8 inches. However, a topspin shot might need a net clearance higher than 24 inches or more to achieve the same depth. Further, the position in flight where the ball reaches its highest point varies depending on the speed of the shot and the spin. Therefore, in managing the elements of a shot, we must visualize three points along its arc. The net, which is the clearance height, the ultimate height, or the peak, and the target area where the ball is to land. Once a player has a clear idea of what properties he wants to particularly shot to have, then he can all utilize the various arc factors to achieve them. The following are some examples of shots with different objectives, 
those different arcs to accomplish them. 1. The passing shot. The passing shot has a different set of priorities than a rally drive. A more important consideration than depth on this shot is the net clearance, the hide itself. Since keeping the ball low makes it more difficult for the net player to put away his volley, therefore, the passing shot arc is flatter than a rally shot arc, and ideally, peak occurs before the ball crosses the net. Number two, on a drop shot. A shallow depth is desired as the primary objective, right? Thus, the target area assumes great importance, and the rest of the arc must be adjusted accordingly. If the arc on a drop shot is too flat for the distance, or the speed is too great, the ball may bounce forward too far after landing, and the height and the speed of the ball factors will make a difference. That must be managed for the ball to drop as straight down to the shallow target as soon as possible. Number three, on the lob. The lob is the ultimate arcing shot, but it's not enough just to hit with height or even depth. The most effective lobs is the one that peaks behind the net player that you are lobbing over. This, of course, prevents the opponent from setting up under the lob. Flat or backspin lobs can have this effect, but the topspin lob can get over the next person's head quicker because the spin creates a sharper angle of descent to bring the ball down into the court. Fourth and last, the shot. The shot with the laced obvious arc is the overhead smash. Indeed, when the shot is hit from the close to the net, there may be little to no arc. However, Picture a player hitting overhead at two different locations on the court. In one, he's able to sit up under the ball at about the service line. In the other, his position is closer to the baseline, perhaps six or seven feet from it. The highest point that he can make contact with the ball remains unchanged regardless of his position on the court. Therefore, if he's used to same flat trajectory for both overheads, the one hit from the deeper position will end up being in the net. The same analysis can be made on the serve. Unless the player is over seven feet tall, the trajectory of the serve most transcribed as an arc. This concept is extremely important when you're learning, when you're teaching the serve. Since it's a successful serve, the one with the arc, the ball must be struck on forward or perhaps even upwards as a part of the swing, but never coming down on a downswing. An additional factor that can enter into the player's choice of arc this time is one defensive ground stroke that you want the ball to stay in the air longer to allow yourself to recover from your opponent's next shot. Therefore, you decrease your speed and elevate the peak on an attacking ground stroke. You either you want your shot to penetrate the court as quickly as possible to keep the opponent from recovering, or you want to reduce the amount of time that he can do so he can prepare less for his next shot. In this case, you would increase the speed and lower the net clearance height to achieve your goal. Now, if you think about visualization, the basic understanding arcs is that they are part of a visualization process. Simply put, visualization in tennis is the process by which a player sees the shot in his mind before he hits it. The information contained in this image helps the muscle perform the task. The more detailed information that the more accurately the body can duplicate, the mind 
that imagines that shot. So let us say, for example, you are working with a player or you are the player who's having difficulty getting enough depth on your ground strokes, right? Which is like a common problem. The first inclination might be to hit the ball harder. Initially, this could work, but generally when a player who hits a lot of topspin swings faster and generates even more topspin, causing the ball to fall even shorter. If he reduces the amount of topspin, that is, flattens out his shot a little bit more, he will also have to reduce net clearance height in a course that could reduce and result in more errors. You might tell him, or you might do if you're the player, to try to hit higher over the net. This is a step in the right direction, but if the player is still generating a great amount of topspin, the ball might still be landing short. In the larger percent of the times, that would be a shot that is going to make you defensive. The ultimate solution for this problem evolves out of asking the player, or asking yourself, where his shot is peaking. On his side of the net, above the net, and on the other side of the net. His answer will always indicate his awareness of the type of arc it's being created. Once he or you can visualize the correct trajectory of the shot and the peak far enough out on the other side of the net, then you will have a tool for creating deep ground strokes on your own whenever you need them. Often, there is no need to correct ground strokes mechanics when simply having the proper image of the shot will cause the muscles to adapt automatically. Be aware of this. The process of learning arc starts very early. In the first lesson, when I teach beginners, I stand at the net on the other side of the court and have them hit balls over my head and into the court of the other side. And it is starting to give them a visualization process. It gets them to elevate the ball with their swing and the ball and the balance, the speed and the height of the shot will make a difference. The first target that I use is a large circle of tennis balls that encompasses nearly the whole middle of the court. I tell my beginner student that hitting the tennis balls in the court is also shooting a free throw like from a basketball. You must get the ball high over the net and high over the rim if you want to be done directly in basketball in order for you to achieve your goal. And enough of the ball that falls through the hoop without touching the sides obviously makes it a better shot, right? Later, I divide the circle into two smaller circles, the right and the left side of the court, so the target areas become progressively more sophisticated as the player's skill evolves. It is great value when I teach the arcs to use a system of gradations in ball heights over the net. A system must give a student a clear visual image of the various heights so they can adjust their swing paths to produce a higher or a lower ball flight. I use the ball height system five in which each height is equal to the width of the racket head. Once I've introduced the heights and the circle targets, it is relatively simple to add the concept of the peak of the arc. With these three points of reference, it is possible for the student or for you to visualize the complete trajectory of the shots. A grasp of the valuable mental skill that can be achieved as a tennis player will give you more confidence because now you can see the shots landing on the court before you actually hit them. One might think that at the very highest level of tennis, the arcs might diminish in importance and it's quite the contrary. While it might become more subtle, the execution of the arc remains paramount to the success of professional tennis players. 
Anytime a shot sails long or ends up in the net, the player has misplayed the arc. The ability of a player to vary the arc on his shots allows him or her to keep the ball out of his opponent's power zone. For example, a high bouncing topspin shot might force a player to hit the ball above the shoulder level, while a low bouncing slice might cause the ball to be played below the knees. I believe that in teaching of the arcs is vastly overlooked by most of the professionals. If you could possess a tool that would automatically correct many stroke flaws, add variety to your game, boost your confidence, and help implement your strategy and tactics, wouldn't you want that? And as teachers, we certainly have the tool to offer our students, and we should. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'll see you in the next one.